0: Welcome to Montana Market Watch. I'm your host, Joe Cummings, a licensed realtor at ERA Lambros in Missoula, Montana. Our podcast is for anyone interested in buying, selling, or investing in property in the current Western Montana market conditions. What does a young, successful investor in the Missoula real estate market look for? Asbestos? Mold? Structural? Certainly those can be sinkholes to avoid, or maybe leverage. Rents? How are they factored? What is a renovation budget and its timing? We'll dig into real estate investing metrics today. How about mixing in multi-offer scenarios? How can you navigate that wild ride? Let's shed some light today. Welcome back listeners. Uh, We're with Chris Funston um, with the uh, Gratt & Funston Group. Super excited. Uh, Chris is one of the top producing real estate agents at um, our firm here at Lambros um, ERA Lambros. Uh, Happy to have you here today, Chris. Thanks, Joe. Happy to be here. Yeah, and so this should be an interesting um, uh, podcast. Chris is uh, is an agent, but he also um, is very active in buying his own real estate. Um, he actually bought one of my listings in the spring, and I think just picked up another one, both in East Missoula. Uh, so I get, I'm going to start off the podcast with: so you're investing your own money in the market. What does that look like for you? What do you like? What when? What what? When you see it come up, that gets on your list of thinking about it.
1: You know, I guess I, um, I'm looking at these, these rental houses or investment properties as a long-term play. I'm not trying to quick flip. I think there's quite a few reasons why. One, I, given the current light of, of, this, of things in the world, I am, uh, don't have much faith in the stock market right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe in real estate, especially in Missoula. Mm. I mean, it's my business. Um, I just don't see things going down in the long term. Um, I mean, that's one reason. Another is I kind of like fixing things up. And so you one know? of
0: them, yeah. So the, the one you bought from us the, it was my client was uh, the asking price was one hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars, and it was not a beautiful property. But um, I understood you did quite a bit of work on it yourself, right? I mean, what did you what did you do to that property?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, well, I, I came in and checked the bare bones stuff, the mm-hmm. the big picture items, the electrical and plumbing. Mm-hmm. Made sure the the roof was good, which uh, you know you your your seller had put a new roof on it recently, so that was a high point to me. Um, and then just went through and 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 made it cute uh put in what does make it cute it wasn't cute <laughs> before uh it was the opposite of cute joke <laughs> <laughs> um uh, i guess you know one bedroom house on a big lot was appealing to me especially because it's uh it's unzoned gives me some room to grow if i needed to
0: so do you think at some point you may that may do you think that's an add-on property or do you think that's a scrape, duplex, quadplex property? I mean, where's your where's your long, where do you home run it 10 years from now? What happens with that property?
1: I think that's kind of TBD. Um, mm-hmm. I think add-on duplex potentially or mm-hmm. scrape and triplex if it's allowed. I'm in, in the works of doing uh, uh, lot line uh, adjustments on a couple of them or trying to explore that. The other one you bought? The other one, mm-hmm. and that one potentially, um, I don't know if it's doable. But you know, in the zoning and, and things like that in East Missoula, sometimes you know, being that it's unzoned, could be worse than than the fact that it it already has zoning because you could be the the pet project for the city. So so for our listeners, sometimes we're, we're talking about
0: terms terms that maybe you're not aware of. So what Chris is talking about is both of those were in East Missoula, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the values that a property can have is its zoning, um, and when we think of like uh, you know RM 1.5 is that
1: two, RM 1.45, 1.45, one, the five. higher density,
0: yeah, a higher density. So maybe as Missoula deals with uh, an inventory crisis and certainly a rental uh, crisis, higher density lots in the long term can change their. Action, its current use and get more, we'd say units, but in this case, it was it's a one unit, single residential. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if the zoning allowed it to do more units. But the interesting thing, and what Chris has done has been an active in the East Missoula market, but a lot of that's unzoned. And that sounds better to me, but your experience tells you that that may not be. And why is that?
1: You know, I think it's just because it's been untapped, so there haven't been people trying to do things. You think East Missoula's been untapped? So far, yeah. In I a, think it's about to be. I think it's about to. The landscape of East Missoula is going to change quite drastically in the next couple of years. Where do you think that goes?
0: Because it's close. I mean, it's close. It's close to. But it's. I mean, to get from East Missoula to the U is faster than getting from Sentinel High School to yeah. the U. Yeah. I mean,. Yeah.
1: I mean,. Typically, it's been a lower-priced area, to mm-hmm. a more affordable area to buy a home. Um, you've got some multifamily that just went in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the plans for where Ole's is, the mm-hmm. gas station right there, is uh, almost gone through. I think they're going to build a, a large multifamily with maybe some multi-use below it, which I think that's going to be the big start. Mm-hmm. They've got potential plans to boulevard um Right before Speedway, really? there. Um, so I mean, there, a bike path potentially going through. I, I think that's going to really change the landscape. And I mean, as we know, there's there's just no affordable housing in Missoula. So this is the last spot that's close to central mm-hmm. that you know a young family can afford to buy a house.
0: Yeah, and we were talking about. We were talking about. I can't remember who I was talking to. I think I was talking to Rick, who's not on the podcast, but one of the agents here and how that central Missoula corridor, it, it, the prices just keep going up, they yeah. just keep going up. And East is actually located better to come in and out of Missoula than those locations, but East Missoula hasn't seen that same over-the-top run like that one, the one that we sold to um, so you guys, if you'd move that over into the
1: slants or, or, you know, Rose Park, that'd have been a wholly different. Place. Yeah, I mean, that would have been a close to four hundred thousand dollar house in the slants. Yeah, yeah. As, yeah. A, as a one bedroom, seven hundred square foot house, you know. So, so you you talked about some other deal,
0: some other properties you'd worked on in there either with clients or yourself that didn't. You guys didn't end up getting them done. I think the most recent one you talked about. Um you guys didn't do it. I think there was there was vermiculite right was that, there was that's... yeah. and so what so for investors out there, there's things that Chris likes and puts his own money in the market. Um, what are the things that spook you that you don't like?
1: I think health health safety items, even more so than structural. I mean, I think structural can be fixed if it's to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know your health and safety items like mold and and radon and I mean, radon, I guess, is, is a, a quick fix mm-hmm. with, a, with a mitigation system. But but asbestos is, is one of those things that, you know, vermiculite, for, for people who don't know what it is, it, it looks like Yeah, maybe metal. tell us what
0: vermiculite is.
1: I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a, a, um, an element, is that? Carcinogen. A, carcinogen, yeah. it's mined. It's yep. a, and it's high in asbestos. Uh, what it looks like is pencil shavings that, really? are, that are made out of metal. Like, it looks like metal, kind of flaked pencil shavings. It's really, really awesome insulation. It has really? a really good R factor, but it's poisonous. Now if it's contained, it's relatively unpoisonous, but the problem with, the, with it is is that it's never contained. It's always blown in insulation. So it's either blown into the, the attic or the walls. So in order to get that remediated, you have to get a licensed asbestos remediation expert to come in. And, and suck that stuff out. Mm-hmm. Well, that's in an old house, uh, a, a can of worms, if you will. Um, it could be a quick fix of, of coming in and sucking you know, a little bit out of the attic and there, it was contained to that spot, or it could be the entire house and then it's in the walls, it's in the floor, it's in, you know, it's everywhere, which that number could go way up in, in terms. And it's really hard in a home inspection to find exactly where all the vermiculite is, if it's in right? the walls, because you, yeah, I mean, you're gonna probably dig into the walls and then it, and boils then you're up pulling off. off drywall or, or in the case of East Missoula, shiplap, which is uh, <laughs> what they what they used before they so started. What's shi- so what's, shi- what's shiplap? <laughs> oh look man, like? I've gotten to be a uh, quite the expert in, <laughs> in shiplap. Um, shiplap's a tongue and groove board, kind of looks like floorboard. Okay, uh, that was put on walls before, uh, before they started hanging drywall. Um, it actually works quite nice if uh, everything's plumb and square, but also old houses settle and, and move and, and uh, nothing's plumb and square, so, um, but. Uh,
0: well, you, you brought up, so, so knowing, so kind of like, you're, looking at an, you're looking at a property and asset, what can I do with it? You're, uh, you're in a good place rental wise because we're under 1% renting um, but you said something earlier in the podcast about making it cute. Yeah. And what, what's like, what's something that somebody listening, where do you see that? Where do you see an easy value add to make it cute? Because the, 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 appearance of a property helps you get better rentals. And if you ever go to sell it, that's something that the market wants. Like, give me a project that would
1: Yeah, I mean, make it cute. What, I mean, I think it's like. Especially with a, with a rental property, it's best to not uh, trip over a $20 bill to, to save a dime okay. on things. Um, so, I, I mean, one, I, I think the kitchen is really important. I think... Kitchen. Especially to people my age or, or millennials, I think a lot of people are kind of health conscious these days, mm-hmm. and a, a kitchen is an important place. It's a social place. It's, uh, you know my main objective is to make the kitchen nice. That's my first thing is I kitchen first. Yeah. And, um, you know, and then I think paint goes a long ways. It really does. Uh, I, I think, especially if you have a small space, I think bright, bright white kind of makes it feel bigger. Um, makes it clean, kind of more modern feeling. Um, I always do, you know, new appliances. I think Mm -hmm. you need to move into a rental and, and, and the appliances are brand new. I I try to put myself in the, in the position of, of what it's like to be a renter and you're paying someone else to live in a, in a home. You kind of want it to be nice. You don't Mm -hmm. want it to be a, a a piece of crap, (laughs) which I think there is a lot. And I've lived in a lot of those, you know, and, and overpaid for them. So, um, so like, know, is I there go... a
0: configuration? I mean, are you pulling out walls? Are you putting in new countertops? I you... try to do as Painting? little
1: structural as possible okay. and just work with the landscape that I have, mainly because of my budget now. I, I I operate on, I wouldn't say super slim margins, but I'm starting out at this. This is only my third go at, at an investment property, so I'm trying to build capital to potentially do something of, of a larger multifamily project or something like that. But I guess what I look at it as is I go in and I want to make this current space be the best that it can be without reconfiguring it, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. That-
0: and, and so what are we talking about? So for you know people listening, Chris is pretty handy, but he's getting handier each project that he does. I'm learning, learning a lot YouTube as I go. YouTube videos and yeah. learn as you go. What would be a typical comfort range budget for you like if I have to spend knowing that my labor is going to be me on the weekends and but there's some stuff I'm going to have to buy like what, what do you like to go into a project
1: with how much you know I, I, I'd i say $10,000 is, is like I don't want to go much more than that so okay. I kind of do my due diligence at the start and hope that you know the safety items the main mm-hmm. structural items are taken care of beforehand before I slide into it um, I can see that cosmetic stuff can change the house as long as the wiring is safe the plumbing is good it's insulated well the windows are decent I mean huge factor there for a renter you don't want single pane windows in a house where you know someone's gonna be cranking the heat um, and that, I guess that's that I'm getting off subject there if you're paying for utilities for yeah, them yeah, yeah. or not but uh, I mean I, I I like to keep it under ten thousand um, dollars I, I so far, the, the little house that I bought from you, yeah. um, I think that cost me $3,500 plus, plus my time. I'm, I mean, I, and I know it's, it, I, I need to account for my time, mm-hmm. but I just look at hard numbers right now because I'm going to be doing this for a while, so my time is my time. Um, but uh, in materials, I, I think I was in about $3,500 total. And,
0: and it looks great he showed me pictures i mean they did a great job with that property what then so for a beginner investor that's not you know and i won't say beginner like you don't know what you're doing but like these are your first deals and this is oh i'm totally a is, beginner yeah. um this is sweat equity what does it look like from a time you know i know it's going to be evenings and weekends and you know you're not going to watch a football game you're going to be cranking on uh, shiplap how much time do you think you have, you like to see in a project? 40 hours, 20 hours, 100 hours?
1: You know, I, I guess I don't look at it in terms of hours mm-hmm. um, right off the top of my head. Uh, I should look at it in terms of hours. But, uh, uh, you know, when when you when you get a mortgage on yep. a house, you're, you're floated one month after you close, usually. Okay. I try to get things done in that first month so that oh, I can yeah. get a renter in there to pay the, so I don't, I'm not floating one month of mortgage. Yep. Um, but I always allow myself one extra month. Okay. Um, the, the, the Minnesota house that I bought from you, uh, it, we got it done in, in one month. Okay. Um, post-renter moving out. So we didn't, we, only, we didn't float a month of mortgage. We had coverage there. Um, the, the, the other East Missoula house, the Speedway one, um, it ended up taking, it, it was a little bit more of a can of worms when we started tearing really? into it. Um, and it took us a little over two months. Mm-hmm. Um, but we got a renter in, um, didn't have to float too much of the rent. So I guess, in, to answer your question, I, I try to get it done as quickly as possible. Hopefully in that first month to not have to float a mortgage payment.
0: So, so the finances of it are, I like the property. I think I'm going to be 10,000 or less of material. I'm going to put in my own time. And I'm hopefully going to get this thing done before I have to make my mortgage payment. And hopefully, that renter is going to pay my mortgage payment for me.
1: Yeah. I mean, I won't go into it without knowing that I can charge enough rent to at least pay the mortgage. Yep. Yep. Understood. Um,
0: The, the, we kind of skipped over it. Why is unzoned sometimes worse than zoned? What's, I mean, what's, that sounds
1: great. Unzoned, I can do whatever I want. Well, I think it's a little bit more of a conversation than just that. But um, especially with East Missoula, is it, 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 they, they have plans to, to annex East Missoula into the city. Because
0: they're not all city sewer, city water, are they?
1: No. Um, okay. Some are on septic, some yeah. are on worse. Some are on cess- cesspools. Yeah. Um, which, you know, you hear the term cesspool, you think it's terrible. It sounds, it has a gross connotation cesspool just refers to a septic tank that was built before they called it an actual septic tank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of them function brilliantly, some function even better than modern septic tanks, mm-hmm. but we're trying to get away from, you know, the city is trying to get away from septic, mm-hmm. trying to get everyone hooked up to city sewer. Um, so that being said, I think with them knowing that they're going to be annexing things into the city, mm-hmm. The city already has plans of what they want that neighborhood to look like in twenty years. And what do you think they are? I mean, what, what do you think? What's your feeling on it? What What do you think the city
0: wants the East Missoula become? I
1: don't know. I think I think that's a crapshoot because we're seeing a lot of multifamily out there. So so hopefully they zone it friendly to investors to to get more density on the mm-hmm. lots, but then to the people that live there and have lived there for a while and have a cute. You know, three-bedroom house on a decent-sized lot. They don't want a fourplex going up right next to them and ruining their view of Mount Jumbo or mm-hmm. or Mount Sentinel. So hopefully, it's somewhere in the middle where mm-hmm. where they can have some lots designated to you know multi-family, higher density. Um, hopefully, I guess the reason the unzoned question kind of makes me a little bit nervous is that knowing that the city already has probably some sort of a plan mm-hmm. of what to do there. Mm-hmm. And then you, do, you pay for a, a, a feasibility study from mm-hmm. a, a, an engineering firm to go out and, and see what you can be done. And then you send it to the city and they use your, your research and stuff as a potential model for what they could do around oh, the area. And then they say, no. Yeah. And you just paid a bunch of money to see what you can do, to be told no, when if it was already zoned, you'd already know what you could
0: oh, do. Oh, I understand. At least, at least then you'd have an answer. It takes the, fight, takes
1: the it. question out of it. it and, is. you know, just talking from, you've mentioned Rick, another agent in mm-hmm. our, the, the maestro, the, the guy we all go yeah. to for. Um, I think that, he, you know, he says the same thing. He's like, sometimes unzoned is worse than... Mm-hmm trying to change zoning, because if you can change zoning and prove that it's worthy or, or why, yeah. a, a, you know, then, so that, that's kind of the one thing that makes me nervous on that. But I do think that it's going to be friendly to, to multifamily.
0: And so are you still, I mean, so you're third, you got three of these done, following your metrics, you're still active looking for more, right?
1: Yeah, I'm always looking. Um, and,
0: and it looks like your price point—you like to stay under what?
1: Gosh, I mean, it, it used to be under under two hundred. Mm-hmm. Um, now I would I would say that number's gone to three because mm-hmm. it's pretty tough to to find things
0: these under days. Um, which is a segue into the I guess the next thing we were going to talk about when when we talk when I talk with agents that are in our office that are active and Chris is very very active excellent agent. Um, we also bring up um, like current. Market activity. And uh, at least for me, this time of year is usually slower buyer load, lower inventory, things aren't moving as fast. But the, at least from what I'm talking with you about, it's moving super fast. And I did want to bring up, you were active with a client, I believe on a condo this weekend. Right? Yeah. And yeah. T- tell me about like, for, for listeners home, what it would be like to sit with Chris and Okay, you're interested in this condo,
1: how did it play out for you? Yeah, so, I mean, as, as any real estate agent would do, I'd, I'd have the conversation about, you know, here's what the most recent closed comp is for this property, Okay, right? So, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that's exactly how, how you approach it. Mm-hmm. Uh, try to find as much information on the property as, as possible beforehand or similar properties to give you a ballpark. Uh, And then I, you know, I give the the agent a call and and see what the traction is. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, they they used to structure things. Listing agents for the whole summer would would try to eke out as many offers as possible and use that as a a bargaining chip for the potential highest bidder. Now we're kind of seeing that go away. Would would you agree? Um, Yeah, I mean, I
0: don't... I I think one of the things, two points on yours is... When the market's paused or level, your comp sales are going to give you an idea of where it should land. But when it's on a run, and I think it's on a, in another run, there's a series of. I mean, I think you guys closed that one um, down um, near uh, Mount. Yeah. And that was a big sale, and but you knew ahead of time that that asking price. Wasn't going to be relevant. So in that time, when when sales are sitting there and haven't closed yet, the repricing hasn't occurred. Yeah. Right? But you know that that repricing is going to occur. So if something comes along, and it doesn't run, um, yeah. And, and I just and it, 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 there was it seemed like there was a lot of uncertainty in the last four months. You didn't see everything staged. You didn't think everything. People were going like, well, really, what's going on? And we we picked up now. So, one of the things I would ask you about is what we're seeing is the last minute, the rise of more and more last minute offers, and I think that's relevant to your story, right? Because you I guys think, put an offer in early, right?
1: Yeah, um, we we didn't put it in early. We we put waited right until oh. that that day. Uh, we we put the the offers. So the, so the way they the listing agent structured it was, um, they would review all offers on Saturday at. 3 p.m.
0: All offers on Saturday at 3 p.m. Okay. Yeah,
1: so the the listing sat for five days, um, which is is typical of how I I used to structure things. Mm -hmm. um, And I would would put some language in the listing, something to the effect of, um, in the event of multiple offers, all offers to be presented and reviewed on such and such date at such and such time, um, please submit highest and best offer on that day. But, yep. um, now I'm seeing people structure things, which I think is, is typical for Missoula County and, and Bozeman and Whitefish and all of the hot markets of that same language, but then another line in there that says seller reserves right to accept an offer uh, prior to that date. I, I don't know, I can't think of it.
0: Yeah, seller reserves the right to accept at any time. At any time. So, so, it, so what
1: that means to me as a buying agent is, if you really want this property, are you willing to wait until Saturday to put in an offer to
0: mm-hmm. get
1: it? Or do you wanna just give your best and highest offer right now? And here's the risk. If you put it in right now, they don't have to accept it unless you give a quick response time on your offer or you can try and play nice and put it in and mm-hmm. let them get back to you. So one, if it's a, an agent that is, is, is in the market of shopping offers to yeah. other agents, which I, I think there are a lot of those, mm-hmm. that's what they're gonna do with your offer. They're gonna say, here's, we put in, we have a $245,000 offer, you could get it for 250. Hopefully they don't say that.
0: Yeah, that's, so let's clear that, know,
1: let's clear that up to, to listeners.
0: They can't. Uh, when when we're in multi offer, the listing agent can't tell you the number. No. What they do is what the listing agent does. And you know, one of the things about the run is a listing agent's job is to get the highest price for the property that they're charged with doing that legally. They have mm-hmm. to represent the client to the to the to the maximum. So it's it's not the agents running it up. It's the nature of the, there's it's, it's the competitive. Market. It's yeah. market. And so. It's interesting because I had a long talk with an older agent, very successful older agent. And she says, well, it shouldn't matter how many offers are in. It should matter what you think the property is worth to you, whatever that number is. If it's worth, if you got to have it, then it's a bigger offer than someone else. And if it's not that important to you, it's a lower offer than someone else. Um, But the other part of an offer is writing terms. And and you guys on that particular offer um, had moved some terms around. Right. I mean, that's was part of the strength of the offer. Yeah. And maybe not that specific offer. You can talk about it theoretically, but I think what you'd said is that and we all know there's this conundrum of do I waive home inspection? Yeah. And
1: that, I think that makes every buyer's agent nervous to some extent. Yeah. Right. Um, First and foremost, I mean, just like a listing agent has a duty to get the highest and best offer for the house. the the duty of a buyer's agent is to protect their client at at all cost and make sure that they are looked after and not getting set up for failure. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that inspection contingency is so important for so many reasons. It, 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 it brings the liability off of the seller, off of the buyer and off of the buying agent and puts it on a third party licensed inspector to check the home out and tell you about the home. Now, that doesn't seem like that important to me as a buyer going right into something, but a year down the road when you have someone telling you there is a water pipe leaking, has been leaking, ruined my subfloor, and now I'm 70 Gs into remodeling this home that I paid 70 Gs over for. Yeah, 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 yeah. um, It's really nice to have this report that you can call this guy and be like, yo, dude. You missed this yeah you we, we were banking on this and
0: you. and but for the listing agent if you're looking at a bunch of offers you know that inspection contingency can be a that can be the big moment in the transaction yeah if you can remove that that the is listing, a valuable thing that's a valuable thing it's like we know that this you've offered us x amount of money you're not going to negotiate with us and we move forward and that's really a function of this market i mean waiving inspection contingencies for somebody that's been in it 20 years, which I haven't, but you, you start talking to the agents that have been in a long time, they go, what planet am I on? But it's kind of, yeah. it can be the reality. So in your case, you thought you put together, I know you can't go into offer terms, but you thought you put together a really strong offer. Yeah. And you, and when I talked to you before, it sounded like you were pretty confident you had, you were going to get, this client wanted the house. It looks like it was going to happen, but it didn't. It so didn't. what happened?
1: Um, so I guess, um, not to get too deep into terms um the offer was as close to a cash offer as you can get um we're seeing a lot of these now where people are pulling equity out of their Mm -hmm. current homes and using that equity to buy a second home or a or an investment property and so they it's confusing to a lot of buyers because they think it's a cash offer but, but it's it, a HELOC. It's a HELOC or it's a... Home
0: bank, equity line a, of credit. Or cash
1: so. out refinance. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, unless you have that money in your bank account and you can take a picture mm-hmm. of it and prove, it's not a cash offer and you have to write terms into that, that offer that mm-hmm. says, you know, there's three weeks or so, so many days until we'll have this cash. Um, but we will have full cash at closing. Um, so it, it was one of those... Uh, cash out refinance mm-hmm. offers, which I, I still think is, is a stronger than a conventional note. It is. And and I think, you know, a listing agent looks at all offers, especially in a multiple offer situation, in terms of risk, right? So cash is, is way less of a risk. The less contingencies the better mm-hmm. because that's less of a risk. Uh, and the quicker time frame is also less of a risk. So we had a a, a pretty solid offer that was an over asking price offer mm-hmm. with no contingencies, mm-hmm. um, except for a financing contingency that we would waive as soon as that money was in the on the account, HELOC on the HELOC, yep. which, and then a, a quick close. And um, you know, at at nine a.m. on the day the offer was uh, willing was was being reviewed, that uh, was at three p.m. that day. We submitted the offer, and the listing agent called me and said, you know. There's one other offer, and yours. You're sitting in a very good position. Mm-hmm. By 3 p.m., she received six other <laughs> offers, and we ended up five out of eight. Wow. So, I mean, that's kind of the the. And I don't. I don't mean to laugh because no, I no, mean, it's, it's it, it is funny. It, I
0: mean, it's it's, it's it's what for for the client, it's it sucks, right? Because they, they it's a roller coaster, but. If you're in it every day, like you and Zach, you know, you're in it every day, that's just kind of the nature of the beast. And sometimes you write an offer, you're like, eh, not lately, but certainly, you know, August, September, you write an offer and go, eh, I don't know. Don't get too excited about it. And then you get one and you're like, sweet.
1: Yeah, and, and it, it's more surprising when you get something yeah. than when you strike out. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Chris, though you didn't get this one. And that's
0: and that's discouraging, right? I would say at least from your track record, your clients eventually get a home done. Yeah. I mean, and, and so I guess that's to, to kind of, you know, speak positively about it is what, what should a normal buyer expect? How many offers should you write? And before it, one finally sticks. You know, I think,
1: I think at some point you realize that yes, everybody's overpaying right now, but... I think that still buying is still a good play. Would would you agree? Uh, I w-
0: I would say I would say it's hard for the shift has been so hard o- overpaying. I mean, I was in a 12 o- I was in a 28 offer deep situation that we ended up getting earlier in the year. It's just 28 offers. We jumped it considerably, but we bought it, we got it bought, and if it was today, which is 6 months later, I would list it for 50,000 more than what my client paid for it. So you know the the trajectory doesn't feel like it's going down and overpaying in the sense that it's multi-offer and it's more than asking price but we're still ramping up so you know the people that quote unquote overpaid in tw- in the beginning of 2021 didn't overpay at the end of 2021 in yeah. this current market but i guess i guess what do you tell your buyers to get discouraged what's the solution
1: i i tell them that we will find them something. Yep. And they're going to find something that they like. And I don't think that the first property you put an offer in on, if, if you're not willing to pay a lot more over ask mm-hmm. to get it, you don't have to have it. There's probably a reason why you didn't have to have it. Yep. Right? So we'll find you the one that you, you feel that way about. Mm-hmm. And you're probably gonna have to pay a little bit more for it, mm-hmm. but you're gonna get the one you want. And you know, we just keep trudging ahead. Um, the, this, this most recent closing that we had uh, we, we looked and put offers in on six six homes mm-hmm. and it just we struck out on the last one that that, that, that the my, the gal really wanted to have and we turned around and that day went under contract on on the next one and she is ecstatic she is so happy she struck out on the last house because she found the house that she wanted and she was willing to pay for more for it um, so I think the silver lining is is you know, we'll find you something. There's gonna be another house. Um, there's gonna be another property and it's probably gonna be the right fit. Yeah, there's a timing to, timing to it today.
0: Well, I just wanna, I wanna thank you for coming in today. We learned, uh, you know, a lot about the young investor. He's active, he's putting his own money in this market. Um, you know, he's, uh, we learned some metrics about how much you put into a house, how you time that up with a mortgage. And then you know, I guess the positive thing that I'm taking out of this is, though, although the market can be daunting, um, when you're with the right agent, and Chris is one of the right agents for sure, if you stick with it, um, eventually that right home comes along. It might take some time, yeah, but you just stick with the plan, make good decisions, um, and then end up in home ownership in Missoula. So, uh, if uh, I want to get a hold of Chris Funston. Uh, he's at the uh, Grattan Funston Group. Either you know, call him Lambros, shoot me an email on the podcast. and get you his contact info. He does a great job. Um, really appreciate you coming in today. Thanks, Joe. Happy to be here. Yep, thanks.